Ladies and gentlemen, Malik McLean is on his way out of Florida State via the transfer portal. We have to talk about that. We have to talk some new Clemson hires, and we have to laugh at the University of Florida yet again on today's edition of Locked On Seminoles. Dave, let's ride. You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome back to another edition of Locked On Seminoles. What's up, everybody? It's your boy Drake here, and today in the stream yard, I got the homie, my boy, Mr. David Wise. David, what's cooking good looking? Drake, it was really hard to save for last in that intro, laughing at Florida, because I, here's the thing, man. It's been really hard to laugh at anybody the last like half decade with how things have gone here. Everything's going great. It's all sunshines and butterflies in Tallahassee. In Gainesville and Miami, it's not exactly feeling so great. And that makes me happy. Yeah, it makes me happy, Florida. But folks, today's episode of Locked on Assembles is brought to you by our friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online, folks, is where the game starts because it has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. But David, yeah, we let's talk about our own let's talk about our own team for a little before because you yeah. know we talk about other teams that's which would be the theme of the episode where Mr. Malik McLean, a player that you had extremely high hopes for when he entered the class, entered the team two seasons ago, officially entered the transfer portal, I want to say two days ago as the time of this episode. So, David, Malik McLean, he's out. What do you make of the move? What do you make of the loss? And quite frankly, is FSU going to be able to recover from it? I think the answer is yes, but what do you make overall of the, tra- of the transfer decision? Okay, so let me lead off by answering the last part of that. We're going to be fine. Um, the reality is we have a good problem to have, which is a log jam at the receiver position where talented wide receivers are not able to find enough snaps because there's too many more talented or more productive wide receivers in front of them. Just, I want to take a second for everybody to let that soak in because not one year ago, I don't think we had any idea who the hell was going to be our wide receiver one. I think a lot of people thought it might be Malik McLean. But nobody really knew who exactly was going to be the wide receiver one for this team, if anybody was going to be productive enough to be considered a wide receiver one. And now we have the opposite problem. That said, Malik McClain is super talented. I mean, he's he's a big body. He's 6'4". What is he? 6'4", 201, 205? That sounds about right. He's He's a large, large man. He's a he's a, he's a big kid. He's kind of a matchup problem in that cornerbacks just aren't that big. Um, but it kind of just never came together at Florida State for him. Um, I had him as my breakout player of the year coming into this season. I thought he was going to take the biggest leap of anyone on this team. I thought I thought he could have one of those thousand yard type seasons. I think I said like a Tamori and Terry type season. Just never yeah. materialized. Um, the talent is all there. Malik McLean is is as talented as any receiver on this roster. It just never materialized. Like when he was out on the field, he never fully took advantage of those snaps. I don't have a single bad thing to say about Malik McLean. I appreciate his contributions here. Uh, I really wish he did stay because I do think eventually uh, he would force his way onto the field and make the most of it. But that's not where we are. 
um, his his productivity, his numbers are replaceable. It's already there on the roster. Darian Williamson looked good towards the end of the year or when he wasn't injured. Kentron Portier looked good throughout the year. So there's plenty more talent. We're getting Winston right back. We didn't get to see a lick of him last year. So Malik McLean wasn't seeing the field without Winston right here. We bring everyone back. We're going to be okay. But I'd be lying if I said it's not a loss. No, I mean, I completely agree with you there. And it's overall, it's mainly that Malik McLean came in when we basically, he was, I think, the top-ranked recruit that actually we had in the class when he was entering. I think it was, what, 2021 class? I think it was what it was. Though, or, yeah, it was a 2021 class. And... Right now, I think Florida State's in a position where you said it best, I think, before the transport opened, that this team is very, very close to fielding a potential, not only AC championship team, but a CFP team with the roster it has. And also, the opportunities right there are just aren't there from a leak. And you, like you were saying, Johnny Wilson, Micah Pittman, Darren Williamson, Kendra Portier, those were all players that actually probably went ahead of Malik McLean in the pecking order throughout the season. And Malik McLean, quite frankly, is too talented to be sitting down. And that also speaks to how good our wide receiver room is. Not to mention, Hakeem Williams is coming in too as well. We have players like, you know, Goldie Lawrence coming in. There's a lot of a lot of talent in that room. And Malik only has so many years to play football on the collegiate level. And quite frankly, there's going to be a team out there that's going to need him. That's going to pay a premium price, you know, you know secure the bag, young man. And actually, actually allow him to like excel, and that's actually he probably did the the best business decision for him. It just sucks because he was probably one of the shining stars, the birth spots that we had heading into I think last season, probably moving forward. Yeah, it's funny because you say those names out loud, like Johnny Wilson and uh, Micah Pittman and Winston Wright, and obviously Ontario Wilson's gone, so his his production is going to need to be replaced. But that seems like something that we'll get from Winston Wright, and then some. I'm gonna miss me that too, dude. Me too. Uh I, I respect everything about the way he went about his business at Florida State. But regardless, um, the names are there. Like you said, Hakeem Williams, I mean, he's gonna push for playing time really early. That kid is the same body type as Malik McLean, but I think more talented and more explosive. So you're gonna get something out of him. We also have uh, Vendrevius Jacobs coming in, who I think a lot of people are sleeping on, and that kid is mega talented as well. So the receiver position is an embarrassment of riches at this point. It's a great problem to have. I do think that McLean's value on this team lied in, say, you had Johnny Wilson go down with an injury. God forbid, right? I, I think Malik McLean stepping up into that spot, not. You know, you still have this big body receiver on the outside. So the game plan doesn't really change too, too much if he were to fill in that role. I think that would be a luxury. That'd be the luxury of having Malik McLean on this roster next year. Sucks because like I said, and like you said, I think next year is our real year to try to push all in and go in for a playoff run. And you want to have guys in there who are very capable to spell, you know, a guy like Johnny Wilson or in the case of an injury. But there is so much talent at that position right now both talent and productivity that this there's not numbers that are going to need to be replaced. There's already too many mouths fighting for that food. And like, it's you're seeing players that contributed last season that are very good players, but they're not the, it's not that they're not elite because a lot of them are, are very good players. Like we want, if you want to take the next step forward, they're not going to get the amount of reps that they want to have to basically be satisfied playing. That's why yep. I see a Treshawn Ward who was an immense, immense player for Florida State, but he's heading over to Kansas State. You have Amara Gaynor, who 
solid depth player who is now going over to UNC. Now, Malik McLean, I wouldn't be surprised if you see him head to the SEC, maybe go to Tennessee. Auburn is out there. You know, they need to improve probably what was the worst wide receiver room in the entire conference. And yes, that does include Vanderbilt. So to me, Malik McLean is making a business decision. And that's something that, quite frankly, if mo- if you ask most people, they probably do the same damn thing. So Yeah, like I said, I can't blame him for it. Uh, whoever gets him is going to be getting a ridiculous run blocking uh, receiver and somebody who fights to the whistle when he blocks. And you're going to be getting somebody who, if he reaches his potential, is going to be a kind of all-conference type wide receiver. Hasn't happened yet. That doesn't mean it won't. But the good news is we're going to be okay. We got plenty of receivers. We got plenty of productivity and talent, not just one or the other. So everything's going to be okay. It's a loss, but we have so much more to make up for it. We have so much to make up for, but also you can make up more of that by heading over to our towel sponsor, and that is Bet on our friends over at Bet Online, folks. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all lay sports action. And I know we missed it a few days ago, but it is back. It is the Fade Dave segment of the week of the day of the millennium of the year. David, yeah, we have a lot of Tampa fans in you know in the chat. We got a lot of Tampa fans that listen to the show. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, depending on who you ask, actually play the Dallas Cowboys Monday night in the wild card round. They currently are two and a half point underdogs in this game with the over and a total of 45 and a half. David, what are you taking in this game? Drake, um, I'm not dumb. I I don't bet against Tom Brady in the playoffs. Uh, that is a not that good Tampa Bay team this year. If you took time, if you took Tom Brady off that team, and this wasn't one of his best years or anything, right, it was see, actually it was the first half was pretty damn bad. Yeah, it was. And if you took him off this team, I'm not sure they win more than like two games. That that's that's how bad their defense was playing for much of the year. That's how inconsistent that offense was. It sputtered a lot. That's not something you see mm-hmm. in Tom Brady offenses. But nonetheless, I do not pick against him in the playoffs. I I it, it just doesn't work out. I. You know, like they always joke about this on the Levitard show saying, I care about you. I care about you. When you bet, when you pick against Tom Brady in the playoffs, Drake, I care about you. I care about our fans. Don't bet against Tom Brady in the playoffs. Lock of the week. So folks, please fade Dave, because we are taking the Dallas Cowboys at minus two and a half because the DAC attack is truly back. Now, folks, take, take Tampa Bay seriously, plus two and a half. There's a lot of things, you know, guarantees in life. There's death. There's taxes. And there's Tom Brady, typically in the first round of the playoffs, even though he did lose to Taylor Heineke last year for the Washington Commanders, which was kind of a very interesting game. But yeah. please, folks, head over to line, take Tampa Bay at plus two and a half, or which, as a tradition, as a tradition, uh, fade Dave with Dallas Cowboys at minus two and a half, because line, folks, is always where the game starts. All right, folks, we are back. We are rocking and rolling. And thank each and every single one of you locked on symbols. Your first listen each and every single day. And also, we are pushing to Y2K to 2,000 subscribers. We're less than, I think, 25 subscribers away. So please don't forget, like this video, hit the subscribe button at the tippy top, and ding the little bell so you know when new content officially drops. And the, new, the news that dropped today, Dave, was Clemson fired Brandon Streeter, their much maligned offensive coordinator, even though, in my personal opinion, Dabo was the one calling the plays. It looked very similar to his first few years over at Clemson. They hire the TCU offensive coordinator, Garrett Riley, one of them, you know, promising young offensive coordinators, offensive minds coming out of any, coming out basically not left field because of his name, but he's been making a name for himself. And not only that, 
but they are apparently are also hiring Jeff Scott, the old offensive coordinator they had, who was recently fired from USF in a recruiting and analyst position. Dave, should people be freaking out, or is this something that is a very good move by Clemson, but we're going to be all right? It's the second one, Drake. Um, I don't love that they're making these hires. I thought they're good Jeff hires. Scott did a great job when he was at Clemson. Um, I, I mean, the, the guy from DCU is a Broyles Award winner, top assistant in college football this year. So that's fine and all. But the reality is Dabo's still there. And I don't know how much control he's going to be willing to relinquish to a guy that he hasn't worked with before. Not I'm not talking about Jeff Scott. I'm talking about whatever the TCU guy is. Um, Garrett, Lincoln Riley's brother, Garrett. Oh, perfect. He has a brother. Even better. Um, so, Garrett, yeah, Garrett Riley. So... I don't know how much, how quickly he's going to be willing to relinquish control of that offense to Garrett Riley, because like you said, it sure looked like Dabo was calling those plays. And you knew that because it wasn't going well. When Dabo calls the plays, it doesn't go well. For all that he's done right in Clemson, the biggest thing he's done right is to pick guys under him that he trusts that are really talented and let them do the work and manage the team as the head coach, as the CEO. That's the best thing Dabo ever did for Clemson. And that worked. They won championships doing it. Ever since then, his assistants have left him. Brent Venables left. Jeff Scott left. And what happened? Clemson regressed. Ask anybody around the country right now, including this big debate going on about the coaches poll right now, about why everyone has Florida State above Clemson. Well, they have Florida Unless State. Unless you're Scott Satterfield, because you, you, know, you forgot who your daddy is. But continue. But the reason people have Florida State above Clemson is because it feels like Clemson is just on their downslope. And it feels like Florida State is quickly skyrocketing up the college football landscape and Clemson obviously after last year they had to switch their quarterbacks DJU was supposed to be the next you know coming of Trevor Lawrence that didn't work out um it'll be really interesting to see what happens to him once he leaves Dabo and Clemson mm -hmm. to see if he kind of blows up and goes back to being like a first round NFL type prospect I'm gonna be keeping my eye on that for sure to see if Dabo ruined him which is possible but you know they changed quarterbacks they went to Cade Klubnik so they're, they definitely have some stuff to work with, uh, this uh, Garrett Riley does. But I just, I'm not going to get worried about it, first of all, at all, because I think we're getting to the point where we're catching up to them talent-wise. And obviously, I, our, our coaches are getting the most out of the kids on this roster right now, so I'm not worried. But, you know, I, I will be very interested to see how hands-off Dabo is. And if he gives the reins over to a guy that's, one of the best coordinators in college football, and he elevates their offense back to where it was. Yeah, that's going to be a kind of a scary matchup yet again. Oh, I think it's definitely it's most likely. I think Dabo kind of realizing you can't keep everything within the Clemson family, right? Because you saw when Brent Venables and Jeff Scott and Tony Elliott all left, they promoted everyone that already was part of the Clemson kind of staff, whether there were an analyst role or something like that. That's where Brandon Streeter came from. Yep. Uh, the name has escaped me of the defensive coordinator for Clemson, but it was the same thing when Brent Venables left. So bringing in a Garrett Riley, someone who's on the outside, but is he seen as the probably one of, if not the hottest name from a OC uh, head coaching boards, that to me is like something to say that Dabo kind of like is starting to understand that basically we need to branch out a little bit. And quite frankly, the Jeff Scott hire that's potentially coming in as an analyst and recruiting role, that is going to be very interesting because Jeff Scott is an ace recruiter. That was someone that basically, if when, the moment he got fired from USF, I think I was on here saying, please bring this man in in some capacity for the staff. Bring him home because that guy knows how to recruit. The man also knows how to coach up an offense. So having the two of them coming into the offense side of the ball is really, really good for Clemson. 
it's I'm not I'm like but I'm not saying to be worried about it, but it's like okay, this is a, we're about to be having a lot more big boy football play between between the two of us. So it's actually probably more exciting if you're a fan of either of the teams. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, Clemson has had it really easy while Florida State's been down. That's that's just the reality. Uh, since 2015, Clemson hasn't really had too 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 much to worry about each year. Um, I think if Florida State was in a similar similar position right now to where it was a couple of years ago, I don't know that Clemson would have to be so aggressive with this hire. And I say that because obviously they realize that they're going to be challenged for the ACC crown. And it's really easy as the ACC champion, especially if you're like a team that has been in the playoff before, like Clemson, to just get in the playoff with one loss. That's 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 not a ton of pressure, but obviously they have to play Florida State now. They we're probably going to end up playing twice next year. So yeah, I think Dabo realized like you know Georgia is not going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, all the kind of top players at college football. Uh, seem to be on a steady, if not continually ascending trajectory. And it doesn't feel that way about Clemson. So look, this is one of those things where it's a wait and see. Uh, if if Clemson gets really good, that's still not going to bother me because I'll still like our chances against them with what Mike Norvell is doing right now and with the kids we have on this roster and coming in. So I'm not worried. Nobody here needs to be worried or anything. It could end up being a very good hire for Clemson. I'm sure he'll probably be gone as a head coach somewhere else in two years anyways. So probably. he's like that a, good. Yeah, it's not like a long term thing to worry about or anything. Um, but and, and for next year, I don't think that changes a thing. So it it it'll it's be spin zone, spin zone. They did it because of us. It's in response to us. Let's be let's be real here. I mean, I, like they, 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 I mean, listen, the giant is awake again. Listen, we're here. We're here, I like, man. I, I like that. Uh, because it's funny because this whole offseason it's felt like Florida and Miami. That, um, that nothing's really changed other than everybody leaving their rosters. Uh, to go find greener pastures, which isn't very difficult. But for Clemson, obviously, it, it is. I will say this: for a guy as just weird and stubborn as Dabo Swinney, I was surprised to see him have this kind of self awareness. So that doesn't make me all that happy because I really wish there was complacency within that program right now. Um, but I think we're going to be fine. I do expect us to beat Clemson twice next year, and I don't think this changes anything. No, and I completely agree with that. Not only that, folks, I worked, you know, athletic departments for a few years, like during during my years in, in law school. And one of the things that, you know, you learn is that coaches for sports, regardless of it being D1 or D3, they get to the point where they are because they're very set in their ways. They know what works. It's, it's People call it stubbornness. People call it ego. I, I call it more that they understand what's best for them and how they want to manage things. They have to do it the right way. They're successful. So Dabo seeing that he's able to change up and actually have him going out of that, it's like Dave's saying, it's interesting because the last time you heard a coach doing that, that was saving offensively. Now, me, to my personal opinion, I don't have them in the same playing field, but it just goes to show you that Dabo might be, you know, have a little more tricks up his sleeve than we thought he originally had. But we have another segment to talk about that because we're done with Clemson. And let's talk about our friends over down in Gainesville because it's actually a very peculiar situation going on there right after a word from our sponsors. All right, Dave. Yep. We're at the end of the road for today's show. I'm going to hand it off to you because I know you really want to talk about this. But please, let's be a little bit nice. You know no. how much how much I can't stand Florida, but let's just uh, let's let the folks know our opinion, basically, what's going on down there in the swamps. Okay. So, first of all, 
it's hard to stop laughing about this because all of this is so self-inflicted. Um, the University of Florida got this kid to commit to them, five-star uh, kid out of California. And it felt weird to start with. Didn't he decommit from Oregon? Um, to go to uh, Jaden Rashada? No, no, he committed. No, he kids at me. Kid in Miami. Right. Flipped, Sorry. Flipped to Florida, and then he didn't sign a letter of intent. I think until the very last day, actually, for right. the early signing period. So, for those of you who don't know, um, he was expected to show up to campus this week with the other kids who showed up to campus this week to enroll, um, and start classes, and you know, get with the football team, and that didn't happen. And it's now coming out that the reason is because. They promised Jalen Rashada $13 million, and it turns out Florida's NIL people don't have $13 million to give in Rashada, as shocking as that may be. Okay, let, 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 look, it's not, it was never $13 million. Come on, we're not, we're not going to. I said that's what the report said, Drake, and I'm going off the reports, and that's what I want to and choose to believe. So I choose to believe that the reports are accurate. This came out of Florida's recruit a news cycle. This isn't me making this up or speculating. This is I'm just repeating what we were told, okay? We were told Florida told this kid he was going to get more money than God. Um, I thought Quinn Ewers, what he got from Ohio State was dumb enough, but here we are now that just any old quarterback that – an SEC team needs because they get so much television money. Apparently they can just like fake offer these kids a bunch of money. Here's the thing guys and girls. Florida's not in good shape right now. Um, after that happened there, I think there was like some rumblings that receivers in their recruiting class were starting to second guess whether they wanted to be there too. This is a really bad look because if you're a parent, how the hell, why would you trust your kid to go there? They've already publicly lied. Whether it was Billy Napier or the pro, or the football team itself or the athletic department, that's besides the point. The Florida Gators team right now looks like a bunch of liars, and you're not going to want to send your kids there. And if you're a kid, considering going to Florida, this is all about money now. College football is all about NIL now. Why the hell are you going to consider going there once they very publicly re reneged on what was the biggest NIL deal I was familiar with for any single player. So this looks really bad for them. And the unintended consequence of this, and this is really going to suck for everybody, is that it's probably going to end up getting everything NIL regulated in college football, which isn't good for anybody. So I'm just going to preface to what I'm about to say is that 13 million definitely is not the figure. I don't know where that number came from. I definitely, I do know that some people are reporting it as a true number. Folks, there's no one out there getting. I don't think. I don't think even the kid that signed out of California sent over Tennessee is actually making any more of that. He's a much higher rate player. Now, mainly my concern is that from this overall, it's not where comes. You know, Florida looking bad. Isn't the country you know for Jamie Rashad looking bad? I don't know either the kid nor do I know the collective. I think it's more that with NIL in place, you one of my main concerns because I was a big proponent for NIL is to make sure that these kids are protected primarily because this is something that. You're, I mean, name, image, and likeness, all you have is your name and something that basically is a lot of players out there. And players, I mean, like attorneys, people want to be representative and stuff like that, that want to go out there and take advantage of these kids. And also, there's a lot of people out there that aren't doing their due diligence when they're executing these contracts. Dave knows that I'm an attorney. Sometimes I know it's shocking because of my hair. But I, one of my main things is basically I do contracts all day. I'm a transactional attorney. And one of the big things that I do every single day is sit down, review what I've drafted, review what I've, what I've done, and make sure everything is squared away. So to me, it's more with the situation is Florida, yes, Florida does look bad because right now it does look like 
that there was a promise that they either they made or that they intended to be made and that's right now not being followed through. And one of the big things that was discussed when hell came about, came about is that with collectives, you don't want to be the first collective that goes basically back on what was something that you wrote or promised or intended to be bound with the prospective student athlete. And that's more my thing. It's more where I'm coming from it. As much as I want to you know poo-poo on Florida all damn day, which is, trust me, it's no better pass on than that. But to me, it's more that this is where I think the uglier side of NIL, or not the uglier side, but if, the, if you don't have the right people in your camp or whether you're running a collective or representing a student athlete, this is where the issues arise. And that's more my problem with it. And that's probably the last thing I'll say on it. Yeah, um, this was the University of Florida's highest rated commit in its class. This is a five-star quarterback. That is not something we wanted there. I thought it was absolutely hilarious, like like diabolically hilarious, that all of these quarterbacks entered the transfer portal, and Florida went out and got Graham Mertz from Wisconsin. Uh, no, no, yeah. Wisconsin. Come on. We're yeah, so they got a bad quarterback from one of the worst offenses in one of the worst divisions of the power five. Uh, yeah. So I think there were a lot, there was a lot of hope around that player in their class. Like having Jalen Rashad in that class gave a lot Maybe. of those, it gave a lot of those fans hope for the future. Like it's okay. It's okay that we suck right now. Like look what Florida state had to do to get to where they are right now to get to 10 wins. Like it's just going to take a couple of years and don't worry because we have our guy at the most important position on the field. Not only do they not have that guy, but I can't see a scenario in which this doesn't negatively affect their recruiting going forward. It's going to be so easy to negatively recruit this both from like, just a coaching standpoint, like a can't trust, you can't trust Napier and that coaching staff. They're going to do this to you. And, and whether he was involved or not, again, I'm about to say, like, I don't, I, I see, I think that's the disconnect right there. Cause remember, we heard it all over summer, there is no connect in be- between, I guess, Billy okay. Napier and the collective. So to me, it's like, that's like something like, hey, do your jam job because you're making me look bad kind of situation. And, and, but the point is, when you're the head coach of the football program, everything falls on you at the end of the day, whether you have anything to do with it, whether you're even allowed to have anything to do with it or not. It's all football. And when you're the head football coach, it reflects on you. And what it reflects right now is that Florida recruiting does not seem to be trending overly upward. It feels a lot like their NIL offerings are a giant lie. And it feels... Like they're just falling further behind in the SEC landscape. And it feels like we're now distancing ourselves in the landscape of the state of Florida, which is going to help for recruiting. It's going to help if we can go down, uh, take care of business against them next year, possibly embarrass them like we did Miami um, and really create some separation to make this little rebuilding process they're in right now, which by the way has been, you know, setting aside that one Kyle Trask, Kyle Pitts here has been going on for a while. It's going to make that more difficult. and it's possibly going to lead to another coaching search for them, which is only in the interest of Florida State. So thank you, Jalen, Rashada. Jaden. <laughs> Jaden. No, you said Jalen. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to run that back because I definitely said Jaden. I want Drake to check that on the tape. But regardless, Jaden Rashada, thank you for doing this for the entire world of college football because no one likes when the Gators are even halfway good and they're not going to be. No, and I just mainly hope that basically all parties involved. I hope Jaden, you know, gets basically, you know, what's 
what he's deserving, whether it be at Florida or whether it be somewhere else. Because basically, you know how I am when it comes to like situations like this. I'm always in the you know the best interest of the student athlete. But folks, as always, the best interest for each and every single one of you is to show into, show into our show each and every single day, five days a week. And as always, Dave, yeah. please let the folks know. You know what? I'm not even gonna say give you more. Thank I'm you. not giving you yep. instructions. I'm just I'll gonna just stop to you and please send us home. Yes. So everybody, thank you so much for listening. We love you. We appreciate you. And as I always say, and I mean this literally, we could not do this without you. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for caring what we have to say Uh, for the podcast. You can find us anywhere you find your podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, Google play, all those places for the YouTube, give the video a like, if you could, it takes two seconds and we appreciate it. Uh, Subscribe to the channel. That also takes a couple seconds and ding the little bell, turn on your notifications. You'll know when our episodes drop, but leave me a comment. Um, do you think we're underplaying the impact of Malik McLean leaving? Do you think we're underplaying the importance of Clemson making these hires? And how funny is it? Just laugh. Just put some laughing emojis in there about Florida because that's the appropriate response. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to lie to you just transparently. I still think he ends up in Florida. But for Dave, this was Drake. And we'll see you all next time on Locked on Sentinels. Take care, everybody. 